Good morning, everyone. And for some of you, I think this might be your first time back, so welcome back. Welcome back. We're so glad to see you. Pastor Sam, everybody looks so happy, I think. I can't tell under the mask, but their eyes are smiling. So we're so thankful that you're here. If you're watching online, write something in the comments. And if you're watching online, I hope you're watching from a, a deck outside or something because the weather is beautiful. Our missions team has been hard at work again. Uh, as you know, they brought lunches to Gadsden Regional a couple weeks ago. This past week brought subs over to uh, Riverview for those working with uh, COVID patients. Our Sumatanga uh, workday has been rescheduled. Uh, you know, it was bad weather last time. We've rescheduled for March 13th. Hopefully there's weather like it is out there today when we go out to Sumatanga. But that'll be from 9 to 3 that day. Um, you can still sign up to work that day if you would like. As you notice, there's another rose on the altar. Uh, Lucy Jane Langston, a newborn baby to the ELC family. So if you know them, send them a big congratulations. Um, I have a lot of announcements today because there's so much going on. Our youth and children, Catherine organized uh, the best Cupcake Wars challenge this past Wednesday. It was awesome. Um, but our youth and kids meet every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. and they have a blast. Um, March 3rd, that's this Wednesday coming up. Pastor Sam, the best uh, Wednesday night class is what I've been told it's called. Uh, Harriet Murray's class is back in person. And um, I hear it's up there with Pastor Sam's class. It's, it's, uh... So we would love for you to join that class in person. Uh, they always have a blast in there. Uh, there's several Zoom small groups, Sunday school classes, Men at the Well, um, things like that. But we have two Sunday school classes coming back in person next week. The Pathfinders will be here. Uh, and also Martin Fellowship will be back for Sunday school. And they would love to see you there. Um, my last announcement is this, because it's a big one. Um, Palm Sunday, March 28th, we're uh, not going to be meeting here. We're going to be meeting at 10 uh, over at the amphitheater outside so people can spread out, bring their families. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we hope you will join us for that as well. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful to wake up to such a beautiful day today. We pray right now that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and sing with us hymn number 545, The Church's One Foundation?
standing and join us for the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. seated. I'll accept for our children because Miss Catherine's going to take our children to children's church right now. They always have a wonderful time. Sometimes I wish I could go in there and play along with them. It, it might, might be more fun than in here, Andy. I don't know. That would be kind of hard. I'm glad that you're here today. I do love seeing your faces and I do know that you're there and you're worshiping at home because you let me know. You, you comment online and you you send prayer requests and things like that. I love doing that. We, you know, we have uh, people all around the country that are worshiping with us here in, in Gaston, Alabama. I mean, who knew? But uh, we are glad and we're grateful. We're grateful for your support. We're grateful for your prayers. We need all of that we can get. If you're here in this building this morning and you want to give your offering in the offering plate, there's one over here and there's one back there uh, as, you, as you go out that door and you could just drop them in there. If you want to, to drop them in the mail or if you want to send them by, uh, by text to give or by giving online, uh, we love 
to get your support that way. We can keep on doing these wonderful ministries that, that uh, Pastor Andy was talking about, and we can keep on uh, building the kingdom of God, which is what we want to do. We want to hear from you if you have a prayer request, because one thing we love to do is pray for each other. We have a prayer team that's active, even if, if they're not gathered in the same room. You know, God hears our prayers no matter where we are. If you can see, I don't know if you can see, Pastor Andy and I are going to walk around. Down on the altar rail, we have these beautiful, soft, cushy prayer blankets. These are done by our prayer team. They say they have our church's name on there, and they have uh, Psalm 91. So if you don't know what Psalm 91 is, go back and read it this afternoon and know that the people who receive these will know that they are wrapped up in our prayers, and that's kind of the idea of this. Pastor Andy and I are going to pray over these, these blankets. Our prayer team is going to take them to people and let them wrap up in the knowledge that, that they are loved and they are prayed for. If you have somebody that you think would like one of these prayer blankets, just to be reminded that someone loves them and is praying for them, let us know and we'll make sure that they get one. Right now, will you bow with us as we pray uh, for all of our needs, including these we'll, who will receive these blankets. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for giving us this beautiful day and for giving us an opportunity to worship you. It is our privilege to be able to do that with the family of God, Lord, if they're in this room or no matter where they are. We are connected to you and we're connected to, to all Christians, all who follow you all around the world. And Lord, we, we remember today those who need a little extra touch those who are carrying a heavy load of grief, those who are suffering from uh, physical or mental illnesses, those who can't get out because they're just not able to, those who are afraid, and those who are anxious. God, touch them now at their point of need. And Lord, for the ones who will receive these prayer blankets, as they wrap themselves up in the warmth of these blankets, may they know that they are wrapped up in your love and in your grace Thank you, Lord. And now teach us, Lord, to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
wow, if I can catch my breath, I might be able to preach after that. So I don't know about y'all, but I didn't want that to be over with. That was so gorgeous. We Aren't we blessed to have music like this in, in this church? And um, my goodness. So thank you. Um, thank you, Rhonda, and thank you, Benny, and thank you, Quartet. Thank you, JT. JT, you're not here this morning, but uh, wherever you are, JT, thank you for putting this together for us. We absolutely love the music ministry of Gadsden First United Methodist Church. Um, today we're looking at Mark chapter 8 verses 31 through 38. I invite you to follow along with me and uh, grab your Bible if you're at home or follow along on the screen. Matthew, uh, excuse me, Mark chapter 8 verses 31 through 38. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When our kids were little, we had this old green minivan and that thing was such a workhorse. It will always have a special place in my heart, that old green van will, because I think about all the places it took the five of us. It took our kids back and forth to school. It, it took us back and forth to ball fields. It took back and forth to piano lessons. It took us on vacation after vacation. It, it was it, it never complained. It took a lot of abuse, that old van did. It never complained. And when it finally got time for us to get rid of the old green minivan, um, our friend who is a car dealer said, he goes to these auto auctions two or three times a week, and he said, I think I can sell your van at the auction. I said, okay, give it a try. And so he took our, our old green van to the auction, and later that day, he called and said, I sold your van. And I said, great, great. And, and just, I know this sounds silly, but I wanted to make sure it went to a good home, you know? So I said, who bought our van? And he said, oh, this guy I know, he's a 300-pound guy named Bino. Kid you not. So in my mind, ever since then, I have, I have pictured this great big guy named Bino driving my green van. Bino, if you're out there, I, I pray that you're doing fine, and I pray that the green van is still going. I just have a feeling that green van is still going strong. It was wonderful. And it was the best when we took vacations when we went on trips having that van having that third row of seat and our little turtle top on top of it you know the plastic the turtle top 
we would go on trips. And when we were on the interstate one time, we were going to the mountains, and we were going on this stretch uh, of interstate in Tennessee that was, it seemed like in the middle of nowhere. There were no exits where they had um, places to go. And, and we had to go. The call of nature was strong among one or more of our family members. And so we were praying for an exit. And lo and behold, there was an exit. And there was this one little gas station at this exit. And we whipped in there and we unbuckled the kids out of their car seats. And, and in we trotted into this gas station. And there was a single woman there that was working probably bored out of her skull because she was reading a magazine. And I said, excuse me, ma'am. Where are your restrooms? And not even looking up from her magazine, she said, we ain't got but one, and it's out of order. <laughs> and so what I wanted to do was reach across the counter and snatch the restroom key off of the wall and say, I'll show you out of order, and then take you know, but I didn't do that, though. No, I didn't do that. That sounds real brave. I didn't do that. Uh, instead, we went back out to the van. We buckled the kids in, and we prayed like everything that we would I mean I put the pedal to the metal on the green van to try to get to the next exit and we made it y'all happy ending we made we made it you know but out of order are you kidding me have when was the last time you really needed something only to find that it was out of order now, you were hungry, and you went to the snack machine, it was out of order. Or you were thirsty, the water fountain or the drink machine was out of order. Or you didn't feel like going up the stairs at all, and the elevator was out of order. Oh, my goodness. And then when you really need to go, and the restroom's out of order, you can get to the crisis level real fast. When something's out of order, it needs to be set right. It needs to be set right. In the dictionary, if you look up the phrase out of order on the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, you'll find three different definitions. And so today, I want us to look at this passage in Mark chapter 8 through the lens of those three definitions. What does it mean to be out of order? The first meaning in the dictionary says, out of order means not working properly and not able to be used. As in, excuse me, ma'am, where are your restrooms? They're out of order, right? Well, when something's out of order, it's just not working properly. And I wanna tell you that the Apostle Peter's mind was out of order that day when Jesus was talking with him. His brain was out of order. I can relate. I always say God bless the Apostle Peter because he reminds me so much of me. He reminds me of all of us, right? What he said to Jesus, I mean, his brain was out of order. He had been on a roll too, really. He had just made that great confession at Caesarea Philippi. You know where Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. And then he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, always the first one to speak up, right? Always the first one to speak up. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and I just always picture the family feud and with a ding, 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 good answer because I wanted to do that for Peter. Yes, yes, you got it right. 
But then right after that, they're going along and Jesus teaches them what it means that he is the Messiah, not some other Messiah that, that some, someone is expecting, but that he is the Messiah. And the fact that he is the Messiah means that Jesus is going to drink the cup of suffering, that Jesus is going to be rejected by the religious elders, that he's going to be killed, and that the third day he will rise again. And Jesus told them this. He didn't hint at it. He didn't give a parable. He told them that just straight up to their face. And then Peter, with his mind clearly out of order, takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. I want you to just let that sink in for a minute. Peter rebukes Jesus. What was he thinking? I mean... Actually, Peter is being used by the devil to be one of the temptations for Jesus that Jesus will have after big milestones in his life. You see, last week we talked about when Jesus was baptized by, by John and, and the heavens opened up and the spirit descended like a dove and the voice from heaven came and said, you are my beloved son. And then Jesus went out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the temptation was, you remember this? If you are the son of God, then turn these stones to bread. If you are the son of God. So the temptation was, are you really who the father says that you are? Are you really going to be who the, who the father says you are? Or are you going to take some kind of shortcut? And so now, the devil is using Jesus' best friend, Peter, in another temptation, sort of the same temptation he faced in the desert, but kind of in a different form. And the temptation is to deny who he was and to try to avoid the path that Jesus had to walk, the way of the cross, to avoid what God wanted him to be and to do. And, and Jesus said something really harsh to his best friend. He said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, for you are setting your mind on earthly things and not on heavenly things. Your mind is out of order, Peter. So there was no avoiding the way of the cross for Jesus. And as you and I think about walking with him, toward the cross, this 40 days of Lent, as we think about that, there's no avoiding the way of the cross for us because Jesus, after he rebukes Peter for rebuking him, he calls everybody together and he tells them this, if you want to become my followers, then you're gonna have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me for those who want to save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Not the best motivational speech if you want to gather followers, more followers. It is a great thing to say if you want to thin the herd because the way of the cross is what we have to walk if we're going to follow Jesus. You know, we can't accuse Jesus of, of false advertising, can we? He, he just tells them, if you want to follow me, you got to take up your cross to follow me. 
it reminds me, any, anybody else in here a history buff? And, and nobody raised their hand in the early service. I think, I'm not sure they were fully awake. I'm a history buff, and Jesus just telling it like it is reminds me of Winston Churchill. Not that I was alive then, but Winston Churchill, when at the beginning of the war, World War II, he spoke to the House of Commons in England, and here's what he said. I have nothing to offer you but blood, toil, sweat, and tears. I have nothing to offer you but blood, toil, sweat, and tears. Can you imagine a politician saying that today in a stump speech? No, I'm promising you the moon and the stars. But look, Jesus said, here's what I have to offer you. Take up your cross. Lose your life and you will find it. So the question for us today is, are our minds out of order? When it comes to following Jesus, do we have our minds set on something that asks nothing of us and therefore means nothing to us? Are we responding to Jesus' call to deny ourselves and take up our cross? Are we saying, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you lead? The second definition for, um, for out of order is not following proper procedure, as in uh, a judge ruling in a courtroom that something's out of order. Okay, so, so I know, I happen to know there are, are a couple of attorneys in the audience, and you know, or if you watch shows on TV, you know that in a courtroom, there's only one that gets to determine that something's out of order. You know, the audience can't do it, the jury can't do it, the lawyers can't do it. The judge gets to do it. The judge is the one that gets to say something's out of order. And, there, and there's one judge, there's, there's one judge, and it's not me and it's not you. James 4.12 says there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and the one who's able to destroy. That one is, is Jesus. There's one judge. That, that vacancy is filled, right? And then James goes on to say, who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, we, we can't because we're not judge. Who are you to say that something's out of order? Well, we can't because we're not the judge. So who was Peter to say, Jesus, you're out of order? No, Peter was out of order. Not only was Peter's mind out of order, Peter's mouth was out of order. It wasn't his place to tell Jesus what to do and where to go. It wasn't his place to do that. And it's not our place to tell Jesus where Jesus can go and what Jesus could do. You know, who else, who else in the Bible loved to tell Jesus where to go and what to do? The Pharisees. They were always saying things like, Jesus, you can't heal on the Sabbath. Don't you know you're breaking the law? And Jesus would say, well, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, so yes, I can. Or they would say, Jesus, you can't tell somebody that their sins are forgiven. And Jesus would say, well, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, your sins are forgiven and rise, take up your bed and walk. Or they would say, Jesus, you and your disciples aren't washing your hands properly before you eat. You're defiling yourself. And Jesus would say, you know what? 
it's not what goes in that defiles you. It's what comes out of your heart that defiles you. It's not our place. We're out of order when we try to tell Jesus what he can do, where he can go, whom he can save, whom is a part of his church. Jesus, through his words and through his life, tells us where to go and what to do and how to be a follower, how to be a disciple. That's what a disciple is anyway. It's a follower. The third definition in Merriam-Webster's online dictionary uh, about what it means to be out of order is something that is not right or proper. In other words, something is displaced as if you have a set of books in alphabetical order and M comes before L or something. Something's out of order. It's not right. It's just not right. So to get a mental picture of this, I want you to get a mental picture in your mind of Jesus and the disciples and other people that were following along that day. Sometimes we think about when Jesus teaches that he was teaching in, in, from a, a lectern and with people in rows and everything, but most of Jesus' teaching was done while they were on the move, while they were getting in a boat, while they were crossing the sea, and while he was standing in a boat talking to the people on shore. This time they were walking, right? And Jesus is talking probably over his shoulder, and he's telling them, um, I'm going to suffer greatly. I'm going to be rejected by the, the scribes and the, and the elders. I, I'm going to be killed, and on the third day I'm going to rise. He's telling them this as he's walking, and they're following. And, and then it says in verse 32 that, that Peter took him aside. So are you still picturing this in your mind? Jesus comes from behind where he's been following and he probably, you know, grabs Jesus by the sleeve and he pulls him aside. So up to this point, Jesus has been leading and Peter's been following. Things were in the proper order. But now Peter is no longer following, you see. And, and here's something that we need to remember. If, if Jesus is not leading and we're not following, then something's out of order. That's what our job is, to follow. So how can we tell? How, how can you and I tell today if we're following Jesus? I know this maybe sounds overly simple, but it's, it's true. We're following Jesus if we go where Jesus went, if we do what Jesus did, if we say what Jesus said. That's how we know that we're following, if we go where Jesus went. Um, Will Williman was the, the bishop prior to our current bishop, Deborah Wallace Padgett, and he used to tell this story that I loved about when he, before he became our bishop, he, he was uh, dean of the chapel at Duke University. And when he was there at Duke as dean of the chapel, he, he planned to have um, Tony Campolo come and speak at chapel one week. Tony Campolo, y'all, is one of my all-time favorite preachers. I love the books that I've read that he's written. I've gotten to hear him speak in person. 
He is so awesome. He is so provocative. If you ever get to go and look up any of his uh, things online or read his books. So Tony Campolo was going to come and speak at Duke Chapel, right? And so a few days before that, um, Bishop Willman at that time wasn't Bishop, but he, he gets a knock on the door and it's this, this young Duke student. And he says, excuse me, Dr. Willman, can, um, I was wondering if I could get up and say something before uh, Tony Campolo speaks in chapel this week. And so naturally suspicious, um, Bishop Willeman says, say something. Say something like what? And the young man then begins to tell this story. He said, I, I worked for Dr. Campolo last summer in, in, in Philadelphia. I was a new Christian and I was real excited because I had gone to hear uh, Tony Campolo preach and it was very inspiring. The work he was doing in inner city Philadelphia was very inspiring to me. And I said, I've got to be a part of that. So I signed up for a summer program and he said, uh, on, on one hot, humid day in June, we, he, I, along with a hundred other or so students, college-age students, gathered in this Baptist church in downtown inner city Philadelphia, and we had about an hour uh, of singing and clapping, and, and it was just wonderful. The music was wonderful. And then Tony Campolo came out, and he preached, and we were all so excited and so fired up. And then at the end of the sermon, uh, Tony got up and said, Okay, gang, are you ready to go out there and tell them about Jesus? And we said, yes. And he said, I can't hear you. And then we said, yeah. So we were so fired up. And he said, okay, let's go out and get on the buses. So they actually had buses outside of the church. And they all filed out and they all got on these buses. And on the way to where they were going to go and minister, uh, they were clapping and singing on the bus. I don't know if, you, if you've ever ridden a band bus or a football bus and clapping and singing and everybody's excited. Well, this is our, I don't know, church bus. Do people sing on buses anymore? We used to. But they were singing and clapping. But he said, the farther we got into the city, the worse everything started to look the worse the neighborhood became and the lower the level of enthusiasm got the farther we got into Philadelphia to the point that we weren't singing any longer we weren't clapping any longer we were just staring out the window at this urban blight and we pulled up into like the worst housing project in Philadelphia and bus by bus, uh, Tony Campolo came and talked to this bus and that bus. And he got on the bus. This young man was telling Bishop Willeman the story. He got on our bus and he said, all right, are you ready to get out there and tell them about Jesus? Everybody, let's go. I'll be back at 5 o'clock to pick you up. And they very hesitantly got off the bus and the buses pulled away and they were standing on the sidewalk and they, all they knew to do was huddle together on the sidewalk and pray. God help us. We don't know what to do. 
And so everybody kind of started making their way off and this young man said, in front of me was this really dilapidated looking tenement house and he said, I, I thought, okay, I've just got to do this. And he said, praying all the way, I went in the door and it looked awful and it smelled awful. And so I started up the stairs because the elevator was out of order. And, and the, I got to the first floor and I started down the hallway. I just came to the first door that I came to and I could hear the noises coming from inside this apartment and there was a baby that was crying and there was a mom that was yelling and I knocked on the door and this really harsh voice said, who is it? And then the door opened a crack and a woman was standing there with a baby on one hip and a cigarette in the other hand and she said, what do you want? And he said, I stammered around for a minute and said, uh, I just want to tell you about Jesus. And that young man said that she cussed him all the way down the hall and all the way down the steps and all the way out on the sidewalk. And he said, I sat down on the curb and I put my head down in my hands and I felt like I must be the worst Christian in the world. How could I even call myself a Christian? What? I, he, he said, I just sat there and I cried. And after a while, I dried my tears and I, and I blew my nose. And I looked up and right across on the corner was, was a little mini mart, what we would call a mini mart. And, you know, a couple of windows were boarded up, right? It had bars on the windows that weren't broken, you know, one of those places. And he uh, walked into the store and started looking around. And he remembered that this crying baby this woman had didn't even have a diaper on and so he thought I at least can I at least can get a pack of diapers right so he got a pack of diapers he took it up to the counter and the guy behind the counter said will that be all sir and he said he looked behind the man at the counter and saw the rows of cigarettes and he thought well what the heck he said I'll take a pack of cigarettes too and so, armed with a pack of diapers and a pack of cigarettes, he went back in the tenement house, back up the stairs, back down the highway, knocked on the door. Who is it? He didn't say anything. Door opened again. Same woman, same baby, same cigarette. And he said he just handed the diapers and the cigarettes to her and didn't say anything. And she took the diapers and the cigarettes, and she looked at him, and she said, Come on in. And he came, he came in, the, in the apartment, you know, and she said, sit down. And it was just dilapidated couch. He sat down. He ended up spending just about the whole afternoon there listening to this woman, telling her stories, playing with the baby, you know, just talking to her. And after he'd been there for about an hour, she said to him, what's a nice young man like you? doing in a place like this and he said ma'am like I told you before I just came to tell you about Jesus and she said well go ahead honey and he said I did I, I told her everything I knew about Jesus it took five minutes because that's about all I that's about all I had to say and at the end of it 
she said, I want to ask you to do something. Will you pray for me and my baby that we'll live long enough to get out of this place alive? And so he did. He prayed for her. And then they got back on the buses. And then Dr. Campolo was coming bus to bus again, asking people how it went. And he got on their bus and said, well, gang, did any of y'all tell somebody about Jesus today? And some other students said something, but he said, I raised my hand. And he said, I not only got to tell somebody about Jesus, I got to see Jesus today. And I went out there to save somebody, and I ended up, learning what it means to follow Jesus. So I love that story so much. Bishop Willimon is a great preacher. I love that story so much because it's not just a story. It's, it's an ordering of something that a lot of times we get out of order. You see, because discipleship isn't about reading some book. It isn't about going to some seminar or something like that. It's just about following. It's just about going to places that Jesus went, saying the things Jesus said, doing the things Jesus did. And if we're not going where Jesus went, doing what Jesus did, and listening to the heart of Jesus, then we're out of order. That's it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for going there, for loving enough to go where you went, to be who you were, to show us the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. And Lord, when we get out of line when we get out of order with our minds or our mouths or our feet, reorder us. Lord, set us right. Put us back in order. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn today is going to be number 338. It's a, a song that... I don't know, we've probably sung a, a million times, but I want you to think about it in terms today of what it means to have things in order. It's where he leads me, I will follow, number 338 in the hymnal.
and my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we leave this, leave this place, let's follow where he leads. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.